All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an episode of Oh the Horror. I'm Rob Holmes and today we are going to be doing something uh, a little different. Uh, This is going to be the first installment of my weekly recommendation series. Um, So each week I'm going to find, you know, 10 horror films on the internet that I think are worth watching. Okay, so I originally said I wouldn't have a theme for these, but uh, whatever, because this week I have 10 recommendations, but they are all on Shudder. Now, if you're outside of the United States, this may vary. So there's a website called justwatch.com. You can go there and you can take a look and just type in whatever movie, put the uh, enter the country of choice, and you will see what platforms it is on for streaming uh, or if you can rent it. All right, so uh, these are just, look, these are just 10 random recommendations and some of them I'm not even a huge fan of, but, you know, I can understand how they have their fan base. Plus, like, half of these movies are under 80 minutes, so, like, even if you hate them, you're not wasting that much time. I would say you don't have anything to lose, but you would have the time of these films to lose. Mm, so pick, you know, that's why I have 10 that are a variety, right? So it's it's a bunch of different films. This kind of runs the gamut, so you might find one you like in there. All right. Number 10, Luz, 2018, one hour and 13 minutes, written and directed by Tillman Singer. So this film stars Luana Veliz as Luz. Luz is a young cab driver who arrives at this rundown police station, right? And she's uh, basically giving this recount of events that happened to her in her cab. Uh, There's also a demonic entity that's following her with this goal of being reunited with her because this entity is in love with her. It's it's a German experimental film uh, that feels kind of like the combination of a bunch of theater exercises merged together with that very simple story. Okay, look, it's it's not going to be for everyone. Some people are not going to like this film. I... I'm intrigued by it, which is why I put it on this list. It's not my favorite. I kind of wanted a little more from it, but I can see why people would really, really like this film, and I can totally understand why people would hate this film. So this is probably going to be the most divisive recommendation that I have on this list, which is why it is the first one in there. But at an hour and 13 minutes, it's very short. So you don't have to... I mean, look, if you're a fan of slow burn foreign art films, then boom, this movie's for you. Number nine, Summer of 84, 2018, one hour, 46 minutes. So this is from the directing trio RKSS. They also did Turbo Kid. Um, so if you've seen, and actually I, I highly recommend Turbo Kid. You should definitely watch that. It's basically a super low budget um, showing what they can do with like a micro budget. And this is basically like they said, great, make an 80s film, give it a Spielberg feel to it. And we're going to give you kind of a budget to to give it more of a, a high-gloss feel. Now, the story is very... It feels very much like Rear Window meets the whole Disturbia feel with a group of teens that are suspecting their police officer neighbor of being a serial killer. 
So they spend the entire summer of 1984 spying on him, trying to get evidence on him, and it's the closer they start to get to the truth of what's going on, that's when shit gets real, and it gets really intense. Now this movie, because this movie caught me off guard, like to be honest, it's exactly what you think it is, but at the same time it's not. If you have seen it, then you, I think you understand what I'm getting at, but if you haven't and you're a fan of 80s films, watch this as soon as you can. Number eight, Lucio Fulci Zombie, 1979, one hour, 31 minutes. Okay, zombie. Oh, this movie, Lucio Fulci Zombie, is the unofficial Italian sequel to George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. It's really in title only because Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy under the name Zombie. In order to capitalize on the success of Dawn of the Dead, the studio behind this film, not Lucio Fulci, the studio decided to call it Zombie 2, which would then make it this unofficial sequel for the retitled Dawn of the Dead uh, with, with having it that, you know, the title Zombie in, in Italy. So it's not a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, uh, but it is an awesome movie in its own right. It's so good. The story is is kind of simple, right? So it's a, it's a young woman. All these stories are, are kind of simple, right? So it's a story of this young woman. She is going to try and find her missing father, who's a scientist, and she gets this help from this journalist to go kind of investigate this tropical island to, to find her father. But what they don't know is this island is dealing with a zombie plague, and they're trying to find the cure for it. There are moments in this film that remind me of Resident Evil, the first video game, and it, it almost seems like direct inspirations. There's a zombie scene, except instead of one zombie eating someone, like in the Resident Evil video game, like the little, uh, little cutscene sequence where you see him and you're first introduced to one, this is like a bunch of them eating a body, but it has that same look, like dressed in a, just kind of like tattered clothes, and it, the bald-headed zombie, it's very, very similar. And I don't know, something I noticed when I watched this as a kid, I thought it was awesome. And this movie is infamous for two scenes. The splinter to the eye scene, which is so brutal because I'm just going to say it, they don't cut away. So if you're looking for gore and you're looking for just something visceral, this is a great one to watch. Um, if you're squeamish, don't watch this movie. And there is a scene where a shark and a zombie fight underwater. Like, legit, a zombie and a shark fight underwater. It's a real shark, and it's a real dude dressed as a zombie fighting underwater. It is awesome. That's, that's worth watching this movie just for that alone. Number 7, Wolf Cop, 2014. One hour, 19 minutes. Written and directed by Lowell Dean. Alright, so, this film was the winner of the 2013 Cinecoop uh, film Accelerator, which awarded this film $1 million in Canadian financing and guaranteed a release through Canada's Cineplex theater chain. That's amazing. See, in the U.S., we wouldn't get something like that, and a movie that is this wouldn't ever really be made, and if it were, it wouldn't be done properly. Granted, I could be wrong about that. Maybe there are some of these things that happen in the U.S. Maybe I didn't do my research correctly. It is possible. So, what is Wolf Cop about? Well, it's about a werewolf cop. That, that right there is reason to watch it, plus it's got a sequel, Another Wolf Cop, that came out in 2017 and runs 82 minutes. So, 
If you got less than three hours to kill, you got Wolf Cop and another Wolf Cop. And the movie's funny as hell. It's super gory. It's cheesy. It's just great. It's If you just want a good splatter, good time, uh, and you want to laugh your ass off, Wolf Cop. Number six, Tenebre, 1982. One hour, 41 minutes. All right, so this is an underrated gem from horror master Dario Argento. It, it, the story, as per usual, is simple. <laughs> uh, and it has been copied to death over the years following this film, but it works really well in this. So the concept is there's a writer, and they're being stalked by a serial killer who is using, uh, who is killing people, anyone associated with this writer's current novel, and is using past novels as inspirations for, you know, the way to murder these people. It is by far one of the most plot-heavy films that Argento has ever done, and it is amazing. Like, I know a lot of his stuff is very surrealistic, you know, you got uh, Suspiria, Inferno, but this uh, phenomena, this is definitely one of his most grounded. I think it's fantastic. John Saxon's in the movie, and you can't go wrong with John Saxon. I mean, he's he's amazing. He's, he's Nancy Thompson's dad. Like, he's awesome. And the violence and gore in particular are very, very brutal. And I would say, like, this this is just one of his best. Like, you just need to see it. it it's, it's essential viewing. Number five. Train to Busan, 2016. One hour, 58 minutes. Now, this one, this one's great. And most people have, have probably seen it or at least heard of it. It is a, it's a Korean zombie film that is just a non-stop splatter fest. It is super intense. It, it starts, it ramps up, and it never, it never lets up the entire time. It's kind of like Snowpiercer with the zombies. Yeah. But it definitely made the zombie premise, like, fresh again. Because zombies, you know, around 2016, eh, you know, we're, we're tired of zombies, right? We want something different. This gave us not just fast zombies, but like very, it's very Deadite esque, and it works so well. Um, and it's a simple premise, as every film in this is, and I keep reiterating that, right? Um, so, a zombie outbreak starts in South Korea, and passengers who are on this train to Busan from Seoul, Korea, are just trying to survive. That's the movie. Uh, and it doesn't mess around. It is heartbreaking. It it tugs at your heartstrings. I never thought that a zombie film could make me tear up. And I'll, I'll admit it, it does. This is that type of movie. This, this is how you make a big budget zombie film and have it taken seriously, not just by critics, but by fans. Like, this is a solid film. Now there's a, a sequel, Peninsula, not as well received. So I would say stick with Train to Busan. Number four, The Furies, 2019, one hour, 22 minutes. Written and directed by Tony D'Aquino. So this is a low-budget Australian slasher that tells the story of a group of women who find themselves being hunted by a group of masked men as part of a deadly game. This one, this one caught me by surprise, right? Because I, I see this on there and I'm thinking, oh God, this is not going to be... Good, I'm thinking it's some basic low-budget slasher film that went straight to video, let's say, circa early 2000s, right? Like, 
2000 to maybe 2005, those really bad straight-to-video horrors. There's some good ones, but there were a lot of bad ones. So I'm expecting that. This is not that. And this is going to make me sound bad, too, but the second I found out it was an Australian film, I breathed a sigh of relief, and I was like, oh, oh, well, at least it's going to be halfway decent, like, at worst. And that's how, that's how I feel anytime I, I, I see foreign horror in general. I'm like, well, all right, this should be pretty decent. But when I see American horror, I think it's because of those straight-to-video films that I saw, and there's just so many imprinted in my brain that w will never leave and some of the low, some of the late 90s too. It kept me from watching this movie for a few months after it came out, and then finally I, I watched it. This movie's great, man. It has some amazing practical effects. Like, oh, some of the gore effects in this are insane. I mean, it's worth it for the face-off scene, and if you, you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It's so good. It, this movie, um, it takes this whole Beauty and the Beast concept, right? So, uh, each girl having a protector. And so things change. So if the girl dies, then the person who is hunting them can also die. I probably spoiled a little there, but hopefully that'll entice you into watching it more so than just, hey, there's killers hunting people down. It's It has this Running Man-esque feel to it, but less of a game show type situation. This is so, it's really good. The practical effects, I keep saying, just watch it. Just watch it. Number three, Tetsuo the Iron Man, 1989. One hour and seven minutes. Tetsuo the Iron Man. So I watched this movie um, in the early 90s. I rented it, and it's the type of movie that makes Eraserhead like a very easy movie to watch. By comparison, Tetsuo the Iron Man, it, it took me a long time to actually get through it because it's very draining. It's a draining film. Some people straight up love it, though, which is why I put it on here. I'm so intrigued by it. It's a, it's a black and white, very indie, cyberpunk fantasy uh, about a businessman who accidentally kills this metal fetishist and becomes infected by this guy and starts to turn into a grotesque hybrid of flesh and rusted metal. I, it's batshit crazy. Uh, it uses a lot of stop motion effects and it has a giant drill penis. I know I just intrigued you with the whole giant drill penis thing. Yep, that if, if that just sold you on it, well guess what? It's got two sequels. Tetsuo 2 Body Hammer in 1992 which only runs one hour and 23 minutes, and Tetsuo the Bullet Man in 2009, which is an hour and 11 minutes. So if you put all these together, you can watch the whole trilogy in three hours and 41 minutes, which is shorter than any of the Lord of the Rings trilogy director's cuts. I mean, the shortest was The Two Towers, and that was three hours and 43 minutes. So this is two minutes shorter than that, and you can watch the entire trilogy. I feel like that should be a bet. But the first one's intriguing enough to watch. It's, I mean, look, it's an hour and seven minutes, you know? Number two, Turkey Shoot, 1982. One hour and 20 minutes. So this is uh, based on the most dangerous game, that short story, and it definitely has that feel to it. There have been so many movies that were based around the short story, the most dangerous game, uh, like surviving the game. Um, but in this case, it has a mix of that, but it also feels like an early blueprint for like the Hunger Games or Battle Royale. And it even touches a little bit on The Running Man. It takes place in this totalitarian future where if you commit any crime, you go to this rehabilitation camp. Well, in this specific camp, 
the warden essentially has has decided that they are going to have a group come in and pick people to hunt. So each person um, in this hunting party will choose a convict on who they want to hunt based on how they see them act out through this through this prison, uh, through this rehabilitation camp. It's it's really weird. It's an exploitation film, which right and which is an Australian exploitation film, and it stars Olivia Hussey, which she's fantastic and sells this film completely. And it's directed by Brian Trenchard Smith, who also directed such classics as BMX Bandits, Dead End Drive-In, Leprechaun Three and Four, and honestly, a personal favorite of mine that I've talked about before, Night of the Demons Two. So I had to watch this, and I'm glad I did. It was watching like an early, you know, I mean, this is early 80s. Most of the stuff that I talked about, well, at least the Leprechaun stuff and Night of the Demons was early 90s. This movie, this movie's great. It's gory. It's definitely very, has a little bit of a grindhouse feel to it. Very exploitation. It, it is the epitome of an exploitation film. It's, uh... It was remade in 2014 uh, with Dominic Purcell, and it was called Elimination Game. I mean, you could watch it, but watch this one instead, like from, from 1982, just because there's a scene um, that involves, like, I guess anti-tank rounds, maybe, I don't know if it's anti-tank rounds or something, and a person. It's, oh, it's quick, but it's like, man, worth 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 the price of admission alone. And number one, I don't know how I haven't done a review on this film yet. I really should. It is Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006. This movie is an hour and 32 minutes long. Watch it and then watch it again. This movie's great. So in a world where Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees are real, we follow an up-and-coming psycho slasher named Leslie Vernon, uh, as a film crew documents him while he prepares for a legendary killing spree that is going to make him an icon. And it starts as a mockumentary. There's, it has this combination feel to it where it goes from being a mockumentary to this actual like 1980s style, high gloss, very violent, yet poorly acted B-movie. And, and it's jarring at first, but each time I've watched it since I've watched this movie a lot... It just gets better and better with each viewing, and it makes more sense, and it's just its just a really fun thing um, that the director, a writer and director, Scott Glosserman, was able to do. So this movie, this movie's awesome for a multitude of reasons. A couple of them are uh, Nathan Basil is so good as Leslie Vernon. This dude's absolutely phenomenal. Um, Robert England is in this, and he basically comes in as like a Dr. Loomis character. Uh, and then Zelda Rubenstein, who we know as Tangina from Poltergeist, she's in this and she does the voice, and it's really, it's just a really fun moment. And we also have Herschel from The Walking Dead, uh, who, you know, is the actor Scott Wilson. He, God, he's so cool. This is awesome. So, this is a little bit of a spoiler. He he's but they never actually talk about it, so it's kind of like a behind the scenes thing. He's a he's supposed to be an older version of Billy from 1974's Black Christmas. So if you've seen that and you've always wondered about like what what happened to Billy, he's an older ver. It, it's it makes this movie that much cooler. There's so much that's tied into this that just works so well. 
But then I found out, so I was like, I wonder what Nathan Basil's up to, the guy who plays Leslie Vernon, because as I said, he's so good in this. And he's not doing much acting. Apparently, like, now he's a post-production coordinator on various shows uh, like Deadliest Catch, which is awesome. Look, that's fantastic. But seriously, he needs to be on screen again. And I know they're going to be doing a sequel, right? But it's been 14 years. Come on, guys. Let's get the sequel going. Let's get him back on camera. Let's continue to get, you know, the whole Leslie Vernon thing uh, out to to the masses. Like, it's such a fantastic character, and he portrays it so well that, yes, he's iconic with it, but I want to see it go further. I mean, come on. Like, Trick or Treat came out in 2000, what, 2007, and we're finally going to maybe get a sequel on that. And this is a year earlier. Give me sequel. Anyway, as I said, I like this film a lot, and you should watch it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my list. So it's 10 movies that I recommend. All of these are on Shudder in the United States. I don't know how long they'll stay on there. So if you're listening to this to like a year after I've recorded it, I don't know. They might not be on there. But as I said, go to JustWatch.com and you can just put in whatever the title is, put in your country, and boom, you can find out, you know, how you can watch it. So yeah, that's, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this. I, I'm going to be putting out ones every single week. You know, it'll have different movies and, and kind of a variety of stuff. But yeah, that'll do it for us um, this week for the first weekly recommendations. I've been Rob Holmes. And until next time, this has been Oh the Horror. Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room in hell. The dead. <laughs>